I'm Jesse Thorne. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, it's The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. It's The Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. You know, life is full of rejections, but most folks try to forget theirs. My guest, John Friedman, is a New York-based writer and comedian who's built a career out of doing the exact opposite. He founded The Rejection Show, a live showcase of The Rejected, from rejected New Yorker cartoons to rejected late show top ten lists to rejected Saturday Night Live sketches. Now he's the editor of a collection of rejection called Rejected, Tales of the Failed, Dumped, and Canceled. Friedman started obsessing over rejection after a few rough rejections of his own, but he was recently accepted as a blogger for NBC's Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. Uh, welcome to the show, John Friedman. Well, thank you so much. It's I, great to be here. I should. I said rejection just now over 1,000 times. Yes, I've heard that word many, many times. Many times a day I hear that word. Holy mackerel, did I just <laughs> say that word. I did not. In, that was not my intent. That's just how it worked out. You did well. You did well with it. It seems like you almost fell into this avocation of being the bard of the rejected with a particularly brutal spate of rejections of your own some years ago now. Yeah, I wouldn't say I just like fell into it, but... um, Leapt into it headlong? Kind of. It was at a time where I was just starting out trying to be a stand-up and uh, actually, after I, two times of, of doing stand-up comedy, somebody approached me to host a show at a, at a club called Rafifi in New York City, which is now closed. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing as a stand-up, let alone as a host, but I agreed to do it. So every week, uh, I hosted a show without really any experience, but I learned a lot just by throwing myself in there and hosting somebody else's show. I did that for about a year and a half. And uh, it was someone else's show that they were producing. And uh, I wanted to have my own show eventually. So I could put it together. I could uh, program it. And I just I needed an idea. And I was going through a bunch of rejections. And it all just sort of came together at once. I had that idea to make a show about rejection. I feel like that's a surprisingly unusual uh, goal for a stand-up comic to build a show of their own. I feel like I, I meet many stand-up comics who don't want to worry about anything else besides th- their 10 minutes on stage. That's exactly correct. I don't. For some reason, <laughs> I'm the opposite. Uh, I, I have more fun putting a show together and hosting a show than I do doing like a 10-minute set, which I do enjoy, but I, I enjoy the other side of it. What were the rejections that gave you the idea? Well, uh, my brother, for a brief period, was a New Yorker cartoonist. He now does illustrations for them. His name is Andy Friedman, uh, and he used like a pseudonym to do his uh, cartoons. And uh, through him, I met other New Yorker cartoonists. But my brother would always show me his submission packets of New Yorker cartoons, and uh, it would be like, that one has to get in. That one's definitely got to get in. That one is so funny. And, of course, it wouldn't get in. So that was uh, an early uh, experience of uh, seeing firsthand what what gets submitted and what gets left out. People make a lot of those for the New Yorker, yeah, don't they? tons of them. Every week. I mean, they say that one out of every – they're lucky if one out of every ten – probably even way more than that. Uh, um, but I also got to intern at The New Yorker, and it was my job to go through the unsolicited uh, cartoons that come in. 
So these weren't by the actual cartoonists. These were just by anybody who had an idea for a cartoon and sent it in. Primarily David Mamet, though, right? Primarily. I've heard. I've heard. (laughs) I've heard he sends a lot of unsolicited cartoons to the New Yorker. That would be awesome. But uh, those were just, you know, the the really bad ones were so entertaining. And then there was (laughs) a few that were really good, but they don't take unsolicited submissions at all. So it was just my job to just put it in an envelope and send it back. Are there any that you remember looking at, good or ill? I I try to – there is one, but I can't remember the exact – punchline the exact story of it but i'm sure you ima- you can remember that feeling of like uh crushing a hundred people's dreams a day by returning their envelopes unopened or whatever yeah i, I didn't really think of it as i was doing it I, I just had a job to do i just saw a humongous pile that i had to you know lick envelopes and put a stamp on and, and put it in another pile for no pay so I wanted to kind of get through my day, but the more I did it, the more I enjoyed like looking at what people were sending in. There's a curiosity factor to it. And I also got to do the same thing at Comedy Central in their development department as an intern. So I spent a couple of years. You just sorted through the cartoons that were being no, submitted? No, anything, anything and everything that was sent in unsolicited. What was, what was sent into Comedy Central? Do you remember there that? There was video, a lot of videos, a lot of VHS tapes at the time, just comedy groups, comedy sketches, people doing weird things. People wrote scripts, sent in scripts and essays and just anything and everything was coming in like people thinking that it should be on the air. Did anything really amazing come in? <laughs> <laughs> to Comedy Central. I can remember one where somebody put a like a see-through plastic bag over their head and filled it up with milk or something like that. And then they just had a bag of milk over their head and <laughs> 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 almost drowned. Uh, I might have taken that one home with me. Sometimes I, I might get in trouble for saying this, but sometimes I put some of them in my bag and took them home and showed some of my friends. But then I returned them. I had to mail them back. So <laughs> a bag of milk. <laughs> it's a, a comedy staple. If that guy's out there, it was we saw it, and uh, I loved it. So get in touch with me. I'll put you on the rejection show. We'll show it. It's the sound of Young America from PRI, Public Radio, International. Production of the Sound of Young America is underwritten in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered. Online at ask.metafilter.com. This September, MaximumFun.org is headed east. You can check out the Sound of Young America Live, our live stage show, in Philadelphia September 16th as part of the Philly Fringe. It's a live Sound of Young America program played out before your very eyes with music, comedy, and interviews. Our guests on the Philadelphia show include the Spinto Band, comics artist Charles Burns, the director of the Mutter Museum, and more. Then the next night, we'll be offering the freewheeling comedy of the Monsters of Podcasting. That's You Look Nice Today and our own Jordan Jesse Go. On the 18th, we'll be headed to New York for a live show at the Jerome L. Green Performance Space at WNYC. My guests include Scott Adsit from the NBC Comedy 30 Rock, musicians Nellie Mackay and Andrew W.K., and much more. Saturday, September 19th, the Monsters of Podcasting hit the UCB Theater in New York. For more information and tickets, visit MaximumFun.org.
Clark Boyd here, host of the World's Technology Podcast. For four and a half years, I've worked in obscurity, overshadowed by the gadget junkies, the fanboys, the uber geeks. You see, people hate my podcast because, well, I don't talk about iPhones or any other sorts of gadgets and gizmos. In fact, it's the gadgets and gizmos that don't interest me. Now, the people around the world who use them to do cool things, that does interest me. Oh, and I also like bagpipes. Anyway, maybe all of that will interest you, too. Check out the World's Technology Podcast, brought to you by the BBC, Public Radio International, and WGBH Radio in Boston. Find out more at theworld.org slash technology. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is John Friedman, host of the live Rejection Show based in New York and author of Rejected, Tales of the Failed, Dumped, and Canceled. When you started floating to people, hey, I'm thinking I'm going to do this show of all stuff that was rejected. What were the first things that made you think like, oh, this is actually going to be an actual show? Well, I knew it could be an actual show and I pitched it to venues in the area and most of them actually turned me down. They would say, "What? no, it's been rejected. Why would we want to do that? Why would we want to show that? Which was actually surprising to me. I thought they would jump on the idea. Yeah, let's see the other side of it. And But I, it could be because I wasn't established and who is this kid? Is he, how is he going to host a show? And, you know, I come across, across as quiet and shy, especially back then. So that could have had a lot to do with it. So, yeah, my show idea about rejection was getting rejected. <laughs> but I did find a venue. It was called The Tank, which was sort of a new venue, and I liked the idea of it. It was neutral. It wasn't, like, part of UCB or The Pit, where they have the, you know their own classes and their own students doing their own shows in their own communities. This was sort of a neutral place where I can get people from all these different venues coming to my show on this sort of neutral ground. Not that people were at war, but... It's just a new venue, new show idea. There had been some killings. A few. Slayings. A few, a few. But uh, for the most part, everybody is safe and getting along well. Um, but when I knew it could be a show is when uh, I would approach creative types to be on and just their immediate excitement about, oh, my God, I have so much stuff. I would love to do that. And then including myself with my own rejected material. So what makes what what makes or made for a, a great uh, rejection show? What's the what's the mix? Well, now it's it's about the mix. I I go I try to book each show with as much variety as possible, and I like variety within an individual's segment. Also, you know, like I'll have a sketch group come on and do rejected sketches, sketches that they didn't use in their show that were really bad, but now they have a platform to just say, look how bad this is. Uh, so I, I'll have a, a filmmaker, a cartoonist, uh, uh, someone that lost on a game show, just someone who was just broken up and they're reading their breakup letter, just anything and everything that has to do with rejection and failure, and that could be displayed in a fun and entertaining and funny way. When did you get a sense that this was um, connecting with people? This is a, this is a show that you know you you started and you you've been you know moving it up the chain for five years now. It's yeah. been building and building, steadily moving up the chain. And pretty early on, people started taking to it. It took a it took a few shows for me to get my own footing as a host, which now I feel like I do have my footing as a host. Um, but people started showing up and. Uh, Early on, we had uh, Colin Quinn come on, and he read one of his rejected SNL sketches. But I noticed people don't necessarily come because of the names that are on the show. They're just curious about what is on the show. And it's not 
the bigger names that have the best segments. It's just it's about what the material is about, what you're presenting. Uh, but I also do my own. I get to do my own rejected material in the front of each show, and that's so satisfying for me. If I the shows once a month, so if I experience a rejection from one month to the next, I'll present it on the show. And that, for me, is I have my own built-in sort of safety net when I get rejected. <laughs> it's like I have a disappointment for about a half a second, and I say, oh, now I know what I can open the next show with, and I immediately start turning it into a segment or story for the show. Well, does it change your perspective on the material that, you, uh, that you're sending in to do it in this weird new context? It totally does. Um, part of the reason why you fail or are rejected is because you're afraid to fail and are rejected. And with me, I've been able to take more risks, knowing like, all right, whatever, if this is turned down, I'm going to turn it into something for my show. So I'm taking more risks. I'm more confident in what I put together with my own work, and I'm getting accepted more to the point where I'm like, damn it, I wanted to use that on my show. That's not true. I'm happy when I get accepted. Are, are there are there risks that you've taken that you don't that you think you wouldn't have taken without that safety net that worked out? Absolutely. Without this show, I I don't know I don't know where I would be professionally. I think all my risks. I mean, I'd like to hope now I've matured into someone who's not. It's not just because I have a show called the Rejection Show, but um, it's just there for me, and I hope eventually it could be there for everyone it becomes the type of thing where, where when they get rejected they think of the rejection show or a book like rejected so it's like a sort of a built-in safety net for for everyone everyone out there <laughs> it's the sound of young america i'm jesse thorne my guest is john friedman host of the live rejection show based in new york and author of rejected tales of the failed dumped and canceled Presumably, at this point, you uh, you started having to reject people from the rejection show, yes. and uh, almost assuredly from from your book. Well, f- from the book, definitely, because I was, you know, I'm working for Random House. It is my book, but they are publishing the book, and they hired me, in a sense, to put this book together. So I have to reject people, and it, it also can't be a fifty thousand page book. So. Um, I like to think I don't actually reject anyone and eventually all rejected material will be put on display in some way, whether it's on a website or in a book or on the live show or on TV or, or anything. Um, I do keep track of everything that comes my way. Uh, everything I rejected from the book, I still have in a folder. I would love to do a rejected from rejected book, or it could get into a second volume of rejected. I actually wanted to put rejected from rejected in this first book in the back (laughs) but random house thought it was too meta to do that for this first one so i'm impressed that they thought that was too meta given that your introduction to the book ran uh, as i recall with your editor's notes on them yes well i kept pitching sort of meta ideas like that and they kept kind of saying no like they wanted (laughs) to play it safe with this first one and i didn't pitch my introduction that way I uh, was asked to write an introduction and to write a funny introduction. And when I talk about the show and what I went through and putting it together, it's not, you know, my comedy is not really based on my own personal life. It's more like silly observations. So my humor doesn't come from what I do uh, professionally. So I just wanted to talk about, as an intro for my book, I wanted to talk about how the show came to be and 
it's hard to force jokes into that. So I decided to just write what I knew, send it in, see what their response was. Uh, so I did that, and you could see exactly what their response was in the actual intro. That is the first draft I sent in, and uh, my editor, Julia, those are her exact notes to me. And when I got it back, I was like, oh, how am I going to do this? I can't. I just I couldn't find a way to make forcefully make it fu- make my story funny, and then it just hit me like I gotta put this in the book just like this. This would be perfect, perfect setup for what this book is all about. These people are exposing themselves in the book. This is me, my way of sort of exposing myself and my rejections. And uh, so I pitched that, and surprisingly, they they love the idea right away. So it's in the book. Um, speaking of exposing your rejections, are there, is there anything you'd like to expose us to, uh, here on the sound of young America? Excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) What do you, what do you mean? What are you asking? I'm asking for, uh, vulgar acts. (laughs) No, I'm asking, do you have, are there any, are there any rejections of, of, uh, of yours or any rejected material that you can share with us? Well, most recently, well, not most recently, but a few standouts are I was hired to do a voiceover for VH1, which I I told this story on the show, um, for a show called I Know My Kid's a Star, hosted by, who's the host? I I can't remember who the host was right now. I have to look that up. Anyway. Uh, um, Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray. Yeah, let's say it was Mark McGrath. Anyway, uh, so I got hired to do the voiceover for all the commercials throughout the whole series of that show, which I, to this day I'm not really sure why I was chosen to do that. Um, I don't really have such an announcery voice. I guess some people think it's kind of unique. I think it's sort of more of a weak, non-mannish <laughs> voice. But it was about kids, so maybe that's why they chose me. But anyway, so I went in the first day to record basically... Uh, the whole first few weeks, you know, like coming next week. I know my kid's a star. Um, so I recorded all of them. I was really happy about it. I thought my voiceover career would be taking off. And, uh, so I left after recording and I got back to my desk and there was a voicemail and a message, an email, um, saying that I was removed from the project (laughs) before I even got back to my day job, I was taken off the project. The director of the spots hired me. She liked my voice a lot. But uh, when the producers heard it, they were like, who is this teenage nerd that you have doing these commercials? So that was a recent rejection of mine. And that came after, you know, I boasted to, you know, friends and family, like, oh, my God, I'm going to be the voiceover for for all these commercials. And it was a pretty good payday, too. But it never came to be. Well, you know you've made it when you get into the uh, narration of the commercials for my I Know My Baby is a Star. Yes. I Know My Kid is a Star. Sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> it I Know was, My uh, Kid is a Star. Danny Bonaducci was the host. Oh, the one of Hollywood's classiest guys. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Um, I want to ask you quickly about um, your new career, the career for which you have been accepted, which is as as a blogger for uh, a Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. Um, how do you get that job anyway? That's a good question. Uh- <laughs> it's a job that, that heretofore had essentially not existed. Right. Uh, I mean, there are a few uh, shows that 
have blogs as companions, most notably Best Week Ever has a very popular blog. And uh, blogs are getting more and more popular. And uh, to Wait a minute. What are these called now? Blogs. And they're getting more popular? Yes. They're short for weblog, if you didn't know that out there. Does this have to do with electronic mail at all? Yes, a little bit. I mean, it it's sort of grew out from there. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> all right. Um, so... Uh, you know, the, the, the producers and Jimmy are very tech-savvy, and they wanted to have that kind of pop culture blog and blog that could be a companion to the show. And like a lot of jobs in this business, it's who you know and a reputation that you build for yourself. And I just happened to know people that were already working there. And when they were looking for other bloggers, I had written. I, I've, I've never been a blogger myself, uh, really, at all. I've only written you know, comedic essays that have been published in places. And I did some pieces for the Huffington Post. And the stuff I do sort of on my show sort of fits into that blogging style of writing. Uh, so I know people that work there, and they, they brought me in for an interview looking for a blogger. And I showed them my stuff, and it was a match, and I got hired. It happened pretty quickly. One of the interesting things about the way that that show has uh, approached its blog is that with the possible exception, maybe, of a best week ever, a, a blog founded by a past sound of Young America guest, Mr. Alex Blagg. Um, uh, it it approaches uh, blogging not just as a sort of chronicle of things happening on the program, um, but also as a, a, a blog from this from a similar perspective to the show. Was it was that part of your mandate when um, when this blog got kicked off? To, to for the blog to be a companion to the show to be yeah to be more than just um you know a few behind behind the scenes photos and um you know a, a little bit about what's going to be on the show today but also be something that that to some extent stands on its own yes it absolutely was that's what they had in mind to make it way more than behind the scenes and what the show is about almost we almost went too far with that because we i mean we're working for a major network major corporation so it's 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 not as easy to get away with uh what what a smaller network or an independent blog can get away with there's a lot of eyes on you a lot of lawyers so we almost, i'm not saying we got in trouble or anything but we almost started going too far away from the show what was too far well, no, say like someone would look at it and there would just be a series of posts where like the show wasn't even mentioned at all. Just <laughs> <laughs> happening. If you just looked at that certain time, there was just a series. So, but you know, we're like show, any show in the beginning, we're, we're a work in progress and we're trying to balance out what works best and we make adjustments and we, we do, we still have the pop culture stuff, but we have a lot of shows. We want to make sure that. You know, if someone's a fan of the show and they want to go to the site, because the website URL the, is the blog, the main page. So if someone's going there to find out about the show, we want to make sure they at least see something about the show, like on the screen when they first go there, surrounded by other sort of pop culture type things. Well, John Friedman, thank you so much for being on The Sound of Young America. It was really great to have you. It was great to be here. Thank you. John Friedman's book is Rejected Tales of the Failed, Dumped, and canceled. He still does the rejection show regularly in New York City. 
That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I have been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's Radio Sweetheart. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our theme music provided by Dan Wally, along with the rest of our music. Our editor is Nick White. Our intern is John Kim. You can find us online at MaximumFun.org. And if you have thoughts about the show, you can always email them to me. My personal email address, yes, this is my real email address, is jesse at MaximumFun.org. J-E-S-S-E at MaximumFun.org. We'll see you next time right here on The Sound of Young America.